Walls we couldn't move came crashing down And we were free and made alive The day the true love died The day the true love died You know, when I think about the last week of Jesus' life I'm almost instantly drawn to the table because really the table is the place that Jesus would spend his time with. I mean, think about the 12 guys that that he was doing life with. And see, here's the thing. When I think about a table, I think about my mother. Because that's where she excelled at the table. She loved having people gather at the table. Because that's the place that she could show off her talent for cooking. And asking you, is it good? Is it good? (laughs) You know, here's the thing. When my mother would cook, you'd find all kinds of people around her table. You'd find people from church, you'd find friends, you'd find neighbors. You might even find somebody like Barry who'd been working on her house and she'd say, hey, why don't you just stay over for lunch or can I fix you something? Because her table was like the table of Jesus. It was inclusive, not exclusive. See, we see all throughout the scripture that the Bible tells us that, that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so oftentimes when Jesus would gather around the table, there would be a place for the saint, but there would also be a place for the sinner. There would be a place for his friends, but there would also be a place for his foes. And it's really interesting because Jesus had this supernatural ability to take care of a physical appetite. And at the very same time that he was taking care of that physical appetite, he was also able to to, uh, actually quench a spiritual thirst. And you think about it, you know, the pulpit was the table for Jesus. That's his pulpit, was the table. And the meal was his message. And the message was really simple. It's this. All are welcome. Think about it. All are welcome at the table of Jesus. The doubting Thomas, the denying Peter, the betraying Judas, they're all welcome. But what's interesting is this. Before they would partake in that meal that you and I know as the Lord's Supper, Jesus wanted them to see what true servanthood looked like. As a matter of fact, Mark tells us this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, before he would die, before he would suffer, he would serve. 
before we could truly realize the power of his sacrifice, we would see the humility in his serving. John chapter 13 says this. It was just before the Passover meal. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning from God. Jesus had all authority in his hands. And he knew that the hour was approaching. He knew that in his life that the the clock was about to strike midnight. But his response was to serve his disciples. Look at verse 4. It says, so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I mean, just think about just before he's about to die. Jesus decides to serve those He had done life with. He tied the towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he took a rag. And he washed the feet of his disciples. See, the thing that's interesting is this. It was customary in that time that it was the servant who would wash the feet of the guest. Because when you came to a meal and you sat down at the table and you reclined at the table, the dirt and the filth on your feet would be noticeable. So you can imagine that as the disciples arrived at dinner that night for the Last Supper, they probably had dirt on their feet. As a matter of fact, some of them probably had blood on their feet or their ankles or their legs where they had walked the dirty, rocky roads of Jerusalem. But think about it this way. Jesus took the lowest spot in the house and he humbled himself. And he washed their feet. Jesus would take up the towel. And soon he would take up the cross. And just as he would wring out the towel to wash their feet, the next day his life would be wrung out as such. And it's really interesting because I don't think we understand it this way most of the time. Jesus spent his last moments serving his disciples. He would use those last moments to serve them, to instruct them, to love them, 
But this meal was different. This time the table was different. As you came in today, one of our team members probably gave you the elements. And let me just say this. I know <clears throat> it's kind of hard uh, for you to see. It's dark. But if you did not get the sacraments, the elements, the juice and the bread, which is all contained together, would you just hold up your hand and somebody will bring that to you? Just hold up your hand because we want to make sure that you have that. And while you get ready, I, I, I want to read from 1 Corinthians. It says, The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take the bread that's a part of your sacraments there and let's take that please in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you drink with me, please? Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather as guests, as friends around your table. A place for the sinner a place for the saint, a place for the friend, and a place for the foe. Knowing that even that night as you washed the feet of your disciples and you rang out that towel, the next day your life would be wrung out on the cross. God, we take this time and remember the sacrifice as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Your sting, your power is as dead as 
pushes back from the table. Someone close to Jesus has betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And he goes and he kisses Jesus on the cheek as the Roman guards arrest him and walk him to his trial. There's no doubt that this was a dark moment in the life of Jesus with all that's happening. There's no doubt that people were actually looking and questioning what is happening. And Jesus is mocked and ridiculed and spit on. As that first person yells from the crowd that he deserves death. But Jesus remained silent. Because he knew what was happening. And he knew why it was happening. It was his mission. It was his purpose. Because he had you in mind. And he had me in mind. And Jesus is transferred to the governor of Rome. And that's when something interesting happens. 
You see, to the crowd, there may have appeared to be this glimmer of hope. And things are about to change. Matthew records it this way in Matthew 27. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor. Now just picture the scene. And the governor stands before the people and says, Today I will release a prisoner. And you get to decide, will it be Barabbas or will it be Jesus? Is it the liar or the Lord, the murderer or the Messiah, the criminal or the king of the Jews? And Matthew goes on, Barabbas, they answered, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they all answered, crucify him. Why? What what crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Now think about this. Jesus, the man who had opened blinded eyes. Jesus, the one who had touched the lepers. Jesus, the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead. The one who heals the sick. The friend of the down and the outcast. And you want Barabbas. See, it didn't make sense. But this is the divine exchange. This is the glorious swap. The righteous for the unrighteous. And Jesus demonstrates once and for all his mission. As he purposefully takes the place of Barabbas and willingly takes the place of anyone like him. The murderer, the liar, the thief, the prideful, the guilty, the sinner. Barabbas. Jesus swaps places with him.
beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as who which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear talking about the moment that I would stand on this stage in front of you but I thought about the moment that makes Good Friday good I mean think about it you, you get so busy buying the dresses and getting the outfits ready and the Easter baskets ready and all that kind of stuff that we, we kind of forget to stop and take a moment and remember We forget because we just don't have time to, to visit the communion table. 
We forget to talk about that moment where we see the gospel on display. That Jesus would not just step in for Barabbas, but as Barabbas. You see, Jesus didn't die just for us. He died as us. It should have been me. And it should have been you. But Jesus took it on himself. So the worst thing that happened to the best man that ever lived is the best thing that could happen to all humanity. That's the very thing that makes Good Friday good. Just as Jesus was sent away. The scripture gives us an account that he was sent to a palace where he was beaten and a crown of thorns was placed upon his head. His body was stripped of his clothes and a purple garment was put on him. The Roman soldiers began to spit on him and to mock him. But Jesus, think about this, Jesus, the suffering servant, he stayed silent in those moments. And after his body was beaten, he was asked to carry his cross to a place called Golgotha. And see, I I think you and I have always had this picture that that those three crosses like you see here in front of me are set up on this hill and everybody could look up there and everybody could see the crosses. But Scripture tells us that, that Jesus was so weary that he could hardly carry his cross. And so a man was selected from the crowd named Simon. And Simon was asked to carry the cross to that place. And see, here's the thing I think is a little different this afternoon, at least here in this place, in this service. I think we all need to be Simon for a moment. And I think we need to get close to the cross. We need to know the suffering. And we need to know the reason and the result of the cross. Because see, the results are amazing. The results are that you and I are like Barabbas. We're free. We are free to go. We now have this opportunity because of the cross to experience freedom Like no one else. Actually, it says in Romans 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God took him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might experience the righteousness of God. That's the result of the cross. The reason is that Jesus was God. He could have removed himself from that moment, but he didn't. Because Jesus, listen, listen, listen. 
Jesus knew that he was born to die. He knew that he was born to give his life. He knew that he was to restore what had been broken by the curse of sin. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have eternal life. But look at Romans 5 verse 8 where it says God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. That's the reason for today. That's the reason for today. See, I've heard people talk about the nails and that it was the nails who held Jesus to the cross. Those were the things that held Jesus to the cross. It was their sin that held Jesus to the cross. I've heard people say that because of their sin, that's the reason that Jesus was nailed to that cross. But today I want to remind you of something. It was not our sin that held Jesus to that cross that day. It was joy. It was for the joy that was set before him. That he endured the cross. And despised the shame. And is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So no matter how bad your sin is, no matter how bad your sin was, it wasn't your sin that held Jesus to that cross. It was his own joy. And church, I don't want you to miss this. Yes, it was his love for you that held him to that cross. But it was also the love he had for his father. And the obedience that he had for his father. Paul says it this way about Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by being obedient to death even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And God gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue is going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, it was his love for you. But it was also his love for his Father. See, some of you have walked in here this afternoon thinking because of some of what you've done that that Jesus is mad at you. And that's not true. He's madly in love with you. 
And it's the reason and the result of the cross so that you can experience the love of his Father. And what's so cool this afternoon is this. The cross doesn't get the final say. Even though it looked like it was over, even when they would pierce the rib of Jesus with the spear, And his heart would open, and the blood and the water would flow, revealing to man that Jesus was physically dead, medically dead. And I just ran across this thought the last few days. Scholars say in that moment that the heart of Jesus was open to the world, that's the moment that you and I could all have access to the heart of Christ. And it might have looked like it was final. It might have looked like it was final when they took his body off of the cross and they laid it in that borrowed tomb. But the truth is this. Sunday's coming. That once your was crowned with thorns Is crowned with glory now The Savior knelt to wash our feet Now at His feet we bow Your name, 
all praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory the resurrected king is resurrecting me by your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King, He is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory the resurrected King is resurrecting me he is resurrecting me he is resurrecting Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name. Is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Your praise will rise to Christ our
Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirits burdened. But you see, it's only pride. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands God. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming.